This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, September 22nd, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellums. This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. I'm Kyle Kellums. The Northwest Arkansas District Fair continues today and lasts through the weekend at the District Fairgrounds in Harrison. Included the fair staples, like livestock shows and carnival rides, tomorrow night, a demolition derby. Information at Northwest Arkansas District Fair.com. We have our Thursday staples today, including Timothy Dennis's rundown of live music for the weekend and the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report with Paul Gatling. We start with efforts to get more members of the University of Arkansas community out of cars. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth reports. It's a balmy September afternoon as students wind through the University of Arkansas campus in Fayetteville. Music blasts from a loudspeaker outside of the picturesque old main building as George Aguia picks up a bicycle from a neat row parked on the campus lawn. Okay, there you go. Ah. Awesome. So let's get your bike. Aguia is a PhD student in economics from Ghana and is one of 20 international students at the University of Arkansas who will be getting a free bike this semester. I was emailed after I got into the program that they are doing the giveaway and you could win a bike. So I stay about two miles off of campus. So I just figured if I can get a bike, it's safe. And um, it's actually cheaper and go green as well because it's just a bike, there's no gas involved. Today's event where Aguia is picking up his bike, the Bike Block Party, is put on by the university's Office for Sustainability. And it's an effort to encourage active transportation among everyone on campus. So active transportation is are ways that people can get to where they work or attend school um, without the use of a motor vehicle. So for one person it might be walking, for another it might be by bike. And really when we push for alternative modes of transportation, we're also pushing um, multimodal such as buses, e-scooters. We want people to get to where they need to go in a safe way. That's David Criswell with Trailblazers, one of the partners for the Bike Block Party. He says the organization helps connect people across the region with cycling opportunities. They also help design and build the new 18-mile Traverse Trail, which cuts through the university campus. And it's important because it gives students and faculty and staff a way to recreate and also to transport themselves to their offices and classes in an active and fun way. Caitlin Arnett, Bike Program Coordinator for University Recreation, says with a record number of students on campus this year, more than 30,000, finding alternative modes of transportation is a necessity. I mean, I think you can see it, like parking is definitely a big deal, a lot of congestion with cars. Um, Single occupancy vehicles is like, a big problem where it's just like hard to efficiently move that many people in giant giant boxes on wheels. <laughs> so that's where programs like Trailblazers and Pedal It Forward come in. Kenny Williams, executive director for Pedal It Forward, says his nonprofit, which refurbishes and donates bikes to those in need, is working to break down financial and cultural barriers to cycling. Yeah, biking can be an intimidating thing and and especially with students who come here from another country, it can be hard to find your way around, to feel mobile, to feel pl- plugged into the community. 
And uh, getting someone on wheels is a great way to make sure that you really feel part of Fayetteville, part of the campus, and can succeed while you're here. And as we approach the ability to give more bikes away, we will hopefully make sure that, that any student who is in need of a bicycle can, can get one from us one day. In the last three years, he says, they've given away almost 80 bikes to international students. Sloan Jeffries is a graduate assistant with the Department of International Education and says something as simple as a bike can make a big impact for a student. Coming to school here is also not cheap, and a bike may not really be in the budget. Same with like a car, car insurance, gas, etc. is all really expensive. Sometimes you can only walk, and so having like that opportunity to kind of get around a little bit easier and get out in nature, get the different type of exercise too, because, you know, using different muscles, getting different endorphins there, it's really great. And the hope is by providing these resources, the university can hit some of its sustainability goals, like becoming carbon neutral by 2040 and having 75% of campus commuters using alternative modes of transportation by the year 2025. And a 2021 report from the Office for Sustainability showed 49% of commuters were already doing just that. And Caitlin Arnett with UREC says interest in active transportation is growing on campus. The key, she says, is giving students the tools and knowledge about how to experience it. UREC is offering some really exciting programs to get people on bikes. Um, kind of a big push with a lot of our programs is starting at, like on campus where a lot of students live and then using Greenways and Fayetteville Traverse to connect to more trail systems. Um, so just trying to be like aware that we can ride to like a lot of riding around Fayetteville versus like having to drive there. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Daniel Carruth. Daniel Carruth reports from the Karantaha News Studio, and you can hear him deliver morning newscasts about our region every weekday morning at 5.30 and 7.30. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. I'm Paul Gatling. We are remembering Mary Ann Greenwood this week, the philanthropist and retired investment advisor who founded a pioneering woman-owned business in Fayetteville in 1982 when she started M.A. Greenwood & Associates, died Saturday in Fayetteville. She was 82. The region's oldest locally-owned independent wealth management firm is now known as Greenwood Gearhart. Greenwood retired in 2015 the culmination of a years-long succession plan to transfer the firm's ownership to Brock Gearhart. Greenwood held leadership positions for an untold number of boards, committees, and organizations in her career, including the Arkansas Economic Development Commission. She was a community leader and staunch supporter of the University of Arkansas, where she earned three degrees. Interim Chancellor Charles Robinson released a statement Monday remembering Greenwood as a delightful supporter, champion, and advocate of the university. Vice Chancellor for Advancement Mark Power said Greenwood's devotion to improving the lives of others leaves an inspirational legacy on the campus and in the state. A memorial service will be held at 2 p.m. on Monday, September 26th at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Fayetteville. And we've got more details about Greenwood's career at nwabusinessjournal.com. That includes her experience as a first-hand witness to the September 11th attacks in New York.
We're back with more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create health care solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. Michael Tilley is the executive editor of Talk Business and Politics, and you can see his byline on the cover of the latest Northwest Arkansas Business Journal. The story's focus is on the potential for the recreational marijuana market in Arkansas and how that would translate to expansion of the state's existing medical marijuana market. Tilly spoke about the topic in a recent interview with Roby Brock. Give me the premise. I don't want to go into the details of everything because I want to ask you some specifics about the story, but give me the premise of the story and kind of where you started and what the overview is. Well, you know, with... um Initially, with the um, proposal making the ballot, of course, now it's kind of hung up in the courts, but with the proposal making the ballot, you know, there's some talk about the economic impact. What would it be? So I wanted to talk to a dispensary owner and a cultivator, um, two different points, so to speak, in, the, um, uh, in what will be probably a more active commerce stream. And so the premise is that, um, yes, I mean, if uh, recreational use, adult use, as it's called by some, uh, is approved, it will have a, a, a significant uh, expansion uh, in terms of what uh, marijuana sales now are in Arkansas. Uh, and that will translate to not only more tax revenue, but that also translates to uh, jobs. So tell me a little bit about what you learned from talking to those uh, different groups in terms of what they might do in terms of hiring and what they feel like the economic or the financial impact might be for them. Yeah, I talked to Storm Nolan. He's a partner in River Valley Relief. They're a cultivator operation in Fort Smith. Their plan is if if the recreational use um, is approved, they would see not immediately, but over two to three years, uh, expanding out to about 100,000 square feet, adding possibly 150 employees. Um, That's just one cultivator out of what would be uh, many in Arkansas. And then I talked to John Mueller. He's head of uh, Greenlight Dispensary. They're based in Kansas City, but they have four dispensaries in Arkansas. Um, And they would be making a $2 million investment, adding about 50 employees among their four dispensaries. So with just those two operators, Roby, uh, you would be looking at uh, 200 more jobs, probably uh, at at least an investment, uh, capital investment just to expand anywhere from two to five million. The other measure of the impact is that you get a wide range of numbers. Some say have eight times the growth, but but if we just looked at four times the growth, if this proposal is passed, right now medical marijuana sales are about 260, 265 million. Multiply that by four, you're looking at a billion dollar industry. Wow. 
Um, and I guess some of those jobs, are they um, technician jobs? Are they farming jobs? What, what does one do job-wise in a recreational or a medical marijuana cultivation uh, facility? Well, from what I can tell, my uh, experience in taking the tour of the center in Fort Smith is that um, you had several, a lot of folks um, just, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I grew up on a farm with uh, livestock, but we also had rope, we had crops. And so a lot of what I saw were people, because in a much cleaner setting, you know, cultivating, working with the plants. Uh, and then you had some people in a different room working. Uh, they had places where they would cook or uh, produce the gummies and then bottle those and label those. So um, it's, it's some, um, there's some definitely some technical work involved. And, and also on the dispensary side, when I talked to John Mueller, he said their store managers uh, make anywhere from 60, 60 to $70,000 a year. So it's not a bad salary for somebody um, uh, running uh, one of these dispensaries. And we're going to have significantly more of those around the state uh, if the proposal passes. All right. There is some activity in Missouri that could have an impact on Arkansas just from the border uh, proximity to that. Maybe describe for viewers and listeners a little bit of what that is. Yeah, I think what the concern is that they have a very similar. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say similar, but it's an adult use 21 and over there. They have different mechanisms, obviously, for regulating, controlling, taxing, that type of thing. But the bottom line is that if Missouri were to, if the Missouri voters were to pass, approve that amendment, and Arkansas doesn't, both John and Storm talked about it, there would definitely be a drain of dollars of commerce out of the state. And there's also kind of the first mover argument. So if a state, you know, if another state near Arkansas has full use for adult use, uh, and then Arkansas comes in two or three years later and gets full use, you know, some people have already set their shopping uh, habits or, you know, they've developed relationships with some of those dispensaries or cultivators outside the state. So their their hope is that Arkansas can pass this uh, at the same time Missouri does, and it'll create a Midwest hub for what is a, likely a very growing business around the country. In our latest round of polling, there is overwhelming support for the recreational marijuana amendment, but there is a question about whether or not it will even be voted on. The issue right now is in the hands of the Arkansas Supreme Court to determine if it will appear on the ballot this year. You can find Michael Tilley's interview on the topic over on our sister website at talkbusiness.net. In other news this week, a research team at the University of Arkansas has been awarded a federal grant worth $10.3 million. That will establish the first Energy Frontier Research Center in Arkansas. The four-year grant from the U.S. Department of Energy is part of the agency's $540 million in research funding to universities and national laboratories focused on clean energy technologies. Sam's Club is planning to build a new 34,000-square-foot building on its corporate campus west of Moberly Lane in Bentonville. The Sam's Club Design Studio will be a dedicated space for innovation. Construction is expected to begin next spring. And Soda Health, that's a healthcare technology startup in Bentonville, has raised $25 million in Series A funding. 
Soda Health aims to disrupt the supplemental benefits system with a technology platform that allows health plans to reimburse for goods and services not supported by traditional medical claims. For all of those stories and more, visit us at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large. Happy Thursday. Saturday night, the Art Collective Gallery in downtown Rogers will host a show inspired by pop art. Works from artists living here, around the country, and around the world will be included. Maddie Love will have two pieces included, and we invited her to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio yesterday. She says she grew up in many different places, and each has its own sky, including Northwest Arkansas. Um, it has like this beautiful blue brightness, you know, um, and then at towards the evenings, you get this beautiful pink color. Um, and it's unique to this area, you know, uh, sitting in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, watching the sunset, you have different colors than you do here. I feel like we're a little bit more away from the horizon. So it kind of gives a different ambient color. You have a show coming up? I do. This weekend? I do have a show coming up this weekend. Tell me about and it's it. It's on Saturday. Um, it's in Rogers at the Art Collective Gallery. Um, I'll be revealing two of my pieces, one of which is an installation. Um, so it's going to be really exciting. I love the word reveal. Yes. Because it hints to us that we're not going to get any more clues until we see it. Exactly. Okay, I'm not going to press you to tell us too much. <laughs> but if you... Working with three-dimensional materials, materials you've worked with before, that sort of thing? Um, it does have a, a little bit of that interaction. Like, you'll be able to interact in it um, very creatively. Um, I will say um, it's very sensual, um, almost provocative in a way. So um, it, it definitely will invoke feelings and, and be very interesting to view. So Taking an installation from... Uh, first thought yes to being materialized mm. how does it change for you oh um at first it, it you know it's an art piece in itself um and then it becomes inspired to bring in different elements to create that installation to really um manifest the creation of the art in a three-dimensional form so it, it is something that you'll be able to walk around view from different points um and then still have that focal point as well so has it changed from paper to three dimensions? Has it? I mean, did you have to make any modifications? Did you decide to to move anything? Um, so there's definitely several parts to it. Um, there's the main piece, and then other pieces around it that might embellish it. But you'll just have to come okay, out and see. Okay. All right. See. All right. I won't push anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's the installation. Yes. The other will be a surprise as well. Yes. Yes. Um, and it'll be featured um, with the other pop collection there. I think it's very brave for an artist to have public exhibition because it's one thing to do it in your studio. It's mm -hmm. one thing to, to create it in your mind, but then to have anybody and everybody come in and, you know, form an opinion. It is. Um, and I think that's, as an artist, that's why I, we do it. That's why I do it. Um, it's to speak to people, to invoke imagination and to bring creativity to people that you know, are looking for that and want to connect with something. And so 
you're right. Every single person that walks in is going to experience something different and will form opinions. Um, but that's that's what art's all about. Maddie Love is included in the pop art show that will take place at the Art Collective Gallery in downtown Rogers Saturday evening from 5 until 9. Tomorrow, we're going to talk to the founder and owner of the gallery about the show, art tourism, and more. KUAF is supported by Pack Rat Outdoor Center in Fayetteville, serving Northwest Arkansas since 1973 with backcountry and urban footwear, clothing, equipment, and more. PackRat is dedicated to conservation and waste reduction. PackRatOC.com for online shopping, shipping, or curbside pickup. The Hillberry Harvest Moon Music and Camping Festival is September 28th through October 2nd at The Farm in Eureka Springs. And KUAF is giving you the chance to win tickets. Hillberry welcomes local and national touring acts, plus artists and art installations, food vendors, and more. Registration and additional information available at KUAF.com. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm in the Herald and Blanchcock News Studio with Timothy Dennis. Timothy, any music this weekend? Mm, to say the least. Okay. There's a lot of music happening. Let's deal with the elephant in the region first. <laughs> All right. There's this thing in Bentonville happening throughout the weekend mm-hmm. called Format Festival. First one ever. They're going to have a lot of music, dozens of bands and performances throughout the three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Headliners include Phoenix, The War on Drugs, Beach House, The Flaming Lips, Herbie Hancock, and more. Also, local and regional artists performing, such as Honey Collective, Kaylin Fay, and Amos Cochran. Mm-hmm. One day tickets start at $125 and they go up from there. Again, that's happening all weekend, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday at the Sugar Creek Airstrip okay. in Bentonville. And that's the one day tickets are $125. Correct. So, if you want the whole kit and caboodle, uh, more than that. Much more than okay. that. Okay. Moving on, there is other music besides format this weekend. Tomorrow night, George's, for their happy hour set, is going to have Leah and the Mojo Doctors. Who I love. They put on a fantastic show. They get you moving. Yep. Which is what you want at a happy hour show. I would think, yes. Cover for that show is $8. That gets underway at about 6 o'clock tomorrow night, again at George's in Fayetteville. For the late show at George's tomorrow night, they are having kind of a funk bill featuring the one-ounce jig. Green Acres, and the Cole Birmingham Band. Mm-hmm. Cover for that show is $10 today. It goes up to $12 tomorrow. That set gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, again at George's in Fayetteville. Happening up in Benton County, Bike Rack Brewing Company is going to have their next patio concert featuring The Odyssey and Modeling. Modeling. They've done a lunch hour. They have done a lunch yes. hour. and I've talked to them a couple different times over yeah. the, the years. That set gets underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, again at Bike Rack Brewing in Bentonville. Happening in Rogers tomorrow night, the Shire Gastro Pub is going to have Patty Steele in the house. Patty Steele is going to be on our show very soon. Yes, fantastic songwriter, singer, multi-instrumentalist. That show gets underway at 9 o'clock tomorrow night, again at the Shire Gastro Pub in Rogers. If you're unfamiliar, that's where Moonbrock used to be. Right. Also happening in Rogers tomorrow night, Butterfield Stage is going to have Dawson Hollow at the Outdoor Pavilion. We ain't never gonna happen. I say give it time. 
Dawson Hollow. Yeah, they've been in our studio yeah. a couple times. Yeah. Band of five siblings. They still get along somehow. <laughs> I don't know how, but they make incredible music. That being at Rail Yard Live, it is free, and it gets underway at about 8 o'clock tomorrow night again. That's at Butterfield Stage in downtown Rogers. Creekside Tap Room in Salem Springs tomorrow night is going to have the Sons of Otis Malone in the house. You know how I feel about Sons of Otis Malone. Yeah, you love them. I do. I love them as well. It's actually part of the seven-year birthday bash for Creekside Tap Room. Excellent. That show will get underway at 7 o'clock tomorrow night again. That's at Creekside Tap Room in Siloam. Happening over in Eureka Springs, Got a Hold Brewing tomorrow night is going to have local songwriter Sean Harrison on their stage. Merle says I just need to get through December. Dylan's answers in the wind they do blow. Mr. Cash had so many songs I can't. I think he's written songs and performed for a long time, but he's really leaning into it now. Gets underway at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Again, that's at Gotta Hold Brewing in Eureka Springs. Then down in Fort Smith, Temple Live is going to have Reckless Kelly on stage. Kind of red dirt country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tickets start at $20 for that show, and it will get underway at 8 o'clock again tomorrow night at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Okay, jumping ahead to Saturday. Smoke and Barrel Tavern in Fayetteville is going to have the one, the only, the Rachel Ammons on their stage. She puts on a good show, and she puts out a lot of volume. Yes, she does. I'm just warning you, at Smoke and Barrel, you might want to take your earplugs. You probably should just take earplugs anyway. Yeah, I think that's a good call, but with Rachel, you will need them, because she pumps out a lot of sound. Cover for that show is $7. That gets underway at 9 o'clock Saturday night at Smoke and Barrel in Fayetteville. Happening at Prairie Street Live in Fayetteville Saturday night, they're having the final pre-party for Hillberry, which actually gets underway one week from today. That's right. For this pre-party, they are featuring Country Jesus and Dandelion Heart. Cover for that show is $15. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday evening again at Prairie Street Live in Fayetteville. Also in Fayetteville Saturday night, Roots HQ is going to have the Pat Bianchi Trio. Right. It's part of the Northwest Arkansas Jazz Society's Summer Jazz Concert Series. Pat Bianchi, if you are unfamiliar, he is one of the best Hammond B3 organ players in the world, I would say. I think critics agree with you. I think so. Tickets for that show start at $30, gets underway at 7 o'clock Saturday night, again at the Roots HQ in Fayetteville. Back in Rogers Saturday night, Butterfield Stage is going to have Trout Fishing in America. Ah, they got a great new, well, relatively new CD. It's yeah, been it came out, out in months. the last year or yeah. so. I wake up early and that's just fine. I grab a strong black cup of coffee, play some music to shake away the night. Again, Rail Yard Live, so that show is free. Gets underway at 8 o'clock Saturday night, again at Butterfield Stage in Rogers. Happening over in Eureka Springs Saturday night, Gotta Hold Brewing is going to have Ozark Daughter on their stage, also known as Tracy Ray Manus. She's been in our studio before, another great local songwriter. Stubborn bramble heart When you snag You snag 
That show gets underway at 6 o'clock Saturday evening again at Gonahole Brewing in Eureka Springs. Down in Winslow Saturday night, it'll be time for another show at Ozark Folkways. This week, they're featuring Jesse Dean and Mark Bilyeu. Oh, coming in from Southern Missouri. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of blues, a little bit of folk mixed in there. Should be a good time. They're asking for $10 at the door at that show. That'll get underway at 7 o'clock Saturday, again at Ozark Folkways in Winslow. Okay, Sunday. Fateful Public Library is going to have Dana Cooper as the next guest in the Mountain Street Stage series. Uh, they're a songwriter from the Nashville area. That being at Fayetteville Public Library, it is free. Mm-hmm. Gets underway at 2 o'clock Sunday afternoon again at Fayetteville Public Library. And Smoke and Barrel Tavern Sunday night in Fayetteville is going to have Daniel Romano's outfit. Ah, uh, I like them. I, like them a lot. I love them a lot. If I weren't already committed to be somewhere else Sunday night, I would be at that show. for that show is $15, gets underway at 8 o'clock again Sunday night at Smoke and Barrel Tavern in Fayetteville. Tuesday, Walton Art Center is going to have the Robert Cray Band on stage. Mm-hmm. Tickets start at $29, which in my mind is not bad for someone as awesome as Robert Cray. Multiple Grammy winner and yeah. all-around good guy. One of the greatest blues guitarists alive today. Mm-hmm. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Tuesday at Walton Art Center in Fayetteville. And then one week from today... Thursday, not only does Hillberry get underway, but the next edition of Live at Turnbow Park happens as well. Next week, they're going to feature Big Piff and Tomorrow Maybe, cool. as well as Bang. Ah. That being a part of the Live at Turnbow series, it is free. It'll get underway at 6.30 next Thursday evening again at Turnbow Park in Springdale. All right, we got you covered for a week. Yes. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. <laughs> Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with the Paradise Winds, performing the last movement of five miniatures for Reed Quintet by California-based composer Deborah Cavash. Cavash has had her works commissioned and performed in North America, Europe, the United Kingdom, and China. Her compositions cover a wide variety of genres, including chamber and solo pieces, as well as choral, band, and orchestral literature. This piece, Five Miniatures for Reed Quintet, was written especially for the Paradise Winds. A Reed Quintet is a chamber music ensemble that includes single and double reed instruments, oboe, clarinet, bassoon, bass clarinet, and saxophone. Members of the Paradise Winds have been performing together since 2005. 
They have been featured in national and international stages and have been pioneers of new music and music composed by alive composers. An example of their commissioning efforts is this piece from 2016. The last movement, titled pointedly Homage to Igor, brings back memories of the rhythms and overall feel of Igor, as in the famous Russian composer Igor Stravinsky's most famous piece, Rite of Spring. Enjoy the rest of this movement, energetically performed live by the Paradise Winds at the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix, Arizona, 2016. Tiffany Penn, oboe, Joshua Gardner, clarinet, Patrick Murphy, saxophone, Stephanie Gardner, bass clarinet, and Joseph Klusner, bassoon. Members of the Reed Quintet Paradise Winds, performing the last movement of five miniatures for Reed Quintet by California-based composer Deborah Cavish. This month, we are celebrating Hispanic heritage in the USA. To honor our memories and traditions, I want to share with you one of the most beautiful songs from our South American repertoires, Alfonsina y el Mar, and Alfonsina and the Sea, written by Argentine pianist and composer Ariel Ramirez. This song was first released in 1968 in Mercedes Sosa's album Mujeres Argentinas, Argentine Women, and was conceived as a tribute to Argentine poet Alfonsina Storni. Sendero solo de pena 
silencio llegó hasta el agua profunda un sendero solo de penas mudas llegó hasta la espuma sabe Dios que angustia Costarte arrullada en el canto de las caracolas marinas, la canción que canta en el fondo oscuro del mar, la caracola. Alfonsina y el mar. A song by Ariel Ramirez, beautifully interpreted by Natalia Laforcade in a unique arrangement that includes the fadolin, a variant violin with two lower strings tuned to a pitch below the violin's usual range. Today in Sound Perimeter, we listened to musicians' tributes to other artists, exploring that way those things that artists do. Inspired by others, they continue the cycle and inspire as they go. Thank you, Paradise Winds and Natalia Laforcade for your inspiration. This is Leah Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon. Antigua de viento y de sal Y te requiebra el alma Y le está llevando Y te vas hacia allá Como en sueños dormida Alfonsina vestida de Mm-hmm.
This is Ozarks at Large. The stylings of the Afrobeat genre are synonymous with the band Egypt 80. Band leader Fela Kuti pioneered the sound and brought it around the globe in the 1980s. Today, Fela's youngest son, Shun Kuti, has taken over the reins as band leader, and he'll be bringing the music to Format Festival in Bentonville Saturday evening. He recently spoke with Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore. My people. Your live music is known to be almost hypnotic or mesmerizing. What sort of preparation goes into that for you? And do you ever have trouble getting to that space with a performance? Every show doesn't go as planned. You know, every time you get a good show, you know, once in a while, it's difficult to get that good tight because maybe you had a long travel day. Or maybe things just didn't work out with sound check and the place is just not acoustically conducive for what we're trying to do. So yeah, once in a while you get shows that it's just hard for you to, you know, be completely 100% in the moment. But most of the times the band and I have been together for so long. What we do is almost like an extension of self. It's almost like an extra limb. I feel that's how much we're in control of the sounds we're trying to create when we're on stage live, you know, and. That also comes from putting in a lot, a lot of work, hours and hours and hours of practice and rehearsals behind the scenes, you know, understanding each other's cues, you know, uh, uh, making sure that we know the arrangements and the songs like the back of our head. And that's why the band, we don't play with score sheets. You know, I insist that everybody memorizes everything, in the, every part, every, all their parts in the, in the songs, you know, has to be committed to memory. You know, so you can be, so we call upon it uh, every time we need it directly. Uh, you must be able to remember that arrangement. So it sounds like the the trick is to just be extremely, extremely talented, right? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, talent plays a big part. You know, but I always say to people, you know, your talent is like twenty percent of it. You have to be willing to work. You know, except you're like a survivor who just who everything just comes to naturally. You just have to look at the musical piece one time and you know it. <laughs> when you think of your performances, in a club venue setting compared to a music festival, how does your performance style change? You know, with the, with the festivals, it's, it's shorter. You, know, you don't get as much time as you would get at a venue, you know, which is your own concert. And everybody has come there to see you. And that means everybody there kind of knows what you're about. So it's a different energy. It's a different, it's a different relationship. You know, but with a festival... You are playing to people that know you, people that are just discovering you. Um, you're also playing to people, you know, um, who maybe are just being exposed to the kind of thing you do for the first time. So it's a different energy, and you are going there with a different mindset. You know, you are you are going there to not only entertain and showcase your talent, uh, your gifts. You are also looking to impress. Not that you don't want to impress your own fans, you know, but you, 
you really going out there to impress people. Like, okay, this is my own time, and this is going to be the best thing you see tonight. Yeah, I wonder if there's an element of proselytizing in a way, too, that, you know, someone who may not have even heard of, you know, Afrobeat as a style of music, that you're you're showing them that this is a completely different style of music, something they may not even be all that, especially here in Northwest Arkansas, where, you know, exactly. we're, we're the home of, you know, mandolins and banjos, and, and to be able to, to have a very different kind of experience. There's almost like a evangelicalism to it, too, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, Afrobeat is not just a musical genre. Also, you know, it's a movement. It's a movement that stands on the shoulders of so many great movements before it, you know, that stands on the message of Marcus Garvey, of Nkrumah, of Thomas Sankara, of, who was my dad's friend, by the way, you know, of Martin Luther King, of uh, Stokely Carmichael, you know, of so many greats, uh, of Ida B. Wells, so many great Africans all over the world who have stood up against uh, the oppression that we have experienced as a people globally, be it colonization or imperialism or neocolonialism or, what, or whatever form the tyranny continues to morph itself under. You know, and Afrobeat is also uh, the movement bring Africans to, their, to a new place of respect and dignity. Like it's not just uh, the music being evangelized, but also the message of uh, the restoration of uh, African dignity. As a teenager, you divided your time between music and football. Do you ever... You know, when you think about how much time and energy and talent you've put into uh, your music, um, do you ever think about how different your life might look like as a professional footballer instead? Uh, all the time, all the time, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I still imagine what it would be like, you know, scoring a goal for Arsenal, like just running into the, uh, into the fans and losing my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, have you ever... Have you ever considered just putting the saxophone away for a moment and and giving it a go? I'm too old now. <laughs> but no, I, I've never, I've never, it has never been a regret. It has always been a fantasy, not a regret. You know, I've never been at a point where I'm like, man, I wish I was doing that. Because also, sports limits the humanity of athletes for some reason. Except you want to support Ukraine, then you can bring your humanity to to sports. But if you're not talking about what's going on in Ukraine then you have to mortgage your your humanity to be a professional athlete. I couldn't do that. I, I really couldn't do that. And a lot of times, especially in America, it's really hard to be an activist and an athlete. You know, it's especially as as a black athlete, it's it's not really um, it's not really looked well upon. But as a musician, it's it's almost uh, a requirement to be an activist with your music. How do you continue to stay hopeful in the midst of your activism? You know, you talked about Ukraine as we look at the countless conflicts that I'm sure that you have been uh, thoughtful about and written about. How do you stay hopeful? Well, I'm not hopeful. I'm willing. You know, I think that's the problem with the world. Most people in the world, that's why I use their activists. 
because they, they believe in hope. I'm a revolutionary artist. I I'm willing. So I don't commit just myself or some token efforts towards the liberation of my people or the complete overhaul of the omnicidal and oppressive system that we are forced to live under as human beings. I'm willing to change it. You are following in your father's footsteps with your musical journey. You yourself have a young daughter now. What hopes and dreams do you have for her future? Uh, well, I don't know. You know, it's her future, as you said. You know, it's her future. You know, I just, I'm here as a protector. I'm here as an advisor, as a guide, because I've been here longer than her. I know some things she doesn't know. So it's just my duty to impact what I impart what I know on her and share it with her. You know, um, her future and life she wants to be, who she wants to be, and how she wants to do those things. And I think one of the things, one of the greatest gifts my dad also gave me growing up, is teaching me to make decisions very early in life about myself. You know, so I understood decisions and the consequences that came with them. So you grow up not taking decisions lightly. Do you think it's harder for her to follow in your steps, in your footsteps, than it was for you to follow after your father? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Being that uh, my dad, I followed my father's footsteps not because he asked me to, but at the same time, he made sure I was immersed in a completely musical environment. So in a way, I didn't have a choice, really. You know, but I did look up to my dad so much, you know, and looking up to him and having to be in this musical environment all the time allowed me to be in touch with my artistic side from a very young age and being able to express myself in that form. But on the other hand, I don't think I'm giving my daughter, I'm immersing my daughter in that. You know, I'm allowing her to grow up a bit differently from me. You know how it is with the world. Everybody thinks they could do it better than their parents. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's the only hope. Right. I mean, hope. it's that kind of goes back to your idea of willing it. You know, if we don't will ourselves to be better than the past generation, then we'll never, exactly. <laughs> we'll never improve this world. We'll right? just keep hoping. We'll just keep hoping. Shunkuti and Egypt 80 Saturday night at Format Festival in Bentonville. And tomorrow on Ozarks at Large, our Anna Pope will report on some of the infrastructure details regarding the first ever festival. That's on tomorrow's show at noon and 7 on 91.3 KUAF. Ozarks at Large is underwritten in part by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. The Hillberry Harvest Moon Music and Camping Festival is September 28th through October 2nd at The Farm in Eureka Springs. And KUAF is giving you the chance to win tickets. Hillberry welcomes Yonder Mountain String Band, Corey Wong, 
Big Something, and more. Registration and additional information available at KUAF.com. A programming note for you. Next Wednesday, the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. is scheduled to conduct another, perhaps the final, September 6th hearing. It's scheduled as of now to begin at noon, which means we will not have a noon edition of Ozarks at Large next Wednesday. Though, as we have learned, those schedules can change. This is, oh, that means we will be carrying it live in its entirety Wednesday afternoon. This is 91.3 KUA. Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and West Fork. Contributors this Thursday included Daniel Carruth, Timothy Dennis, Matthew Moore, Leah Uribe, and Paul Gatling. Timothy Dennis produced today's show and today's sound perimeter inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio at KUAF. We will return tomorrow noon, 7 p.m., and on the Ozarks at Large podcast that is free and available wherever you already get your podcasts. A reminder, this is a fundraising month for 91.3 KUAF. All contributions made this month count toward our goal of $150,000. We have blown past the $30,000 mark before we've even started the annual on-air fundraising portion. If you'd like to contribute right now, you can do so easily at support. KUAF.com. You can also mail your contribution. Our address is 9 South School, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 72701. The on-air portion of our fundraiser will begin bright and early Monday morning at 6 o'clock. Thanks to everyone who has contributed so far. From the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Kyle Kellums. Thanks so much for your support and your attention. Back with you tomorrow.